0: I was having a meeting with the president of the Madeira government because of other stuff, non-related, but the opportunity arose to speak about this. And when I had the opportunity to do something, suddenly I had this network of people that I could rely on to help me, and they did. And that was the game changer because I couldn't ever have done it by myself at the time.
1: Hello and welcome to Bitcoin with Jake. This is a podcast all about people's personal journeys to Bitcoin. I wanted to know more about the people converging on this new form of money. Why do they see value in it? What skills enable their understanding? How is it changing their lives? If you're a founder looking for funding or an investor looking to make investments, then please reach out as I develop my network in the space. Do me a favor and chuck us a five-star rating on whichever app you're using to listen or a like if you're watching it somewhere. As insignificant as this may seem, they help a startup project like this hugely. Lastly, if you have any questions at all, please just reach out. The easiest place to find me is on Twitter at Jake E.S. Woodhouse. Now, I'd like to take a quick moment to talk about our sponsor. Fast Bitcoins are a Bitcoin exchange who you should definitely take a look at next time you're thinking of making a Bitcoin purchase. They're a great team, which for me is always the key to due diligence, whilst their product has a ton of features useful to every Bitcoiner. Check out my episodes with Danny Brewster, the founder, CEO, and Nathan Smith, the chief compliance officer, to learn more about the people behind the brand. Thank you to Fast Bitcoins for sponsoring the show. Now, on to today's episode. I'm speaking with Andre Laugier. Welcome, Andre. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for the invite. No, my pleasure. And I can't wait to hear your story. So this is a Bitcoin podcast and I want to hear about your journey to Bitcoin. And selfishly, I'm very interested in what's going on in Madeira and what you've started there. So we'll get to that later in the conversation. First off, when did you come across Bitcoin and why was it interesting to you? Perhaps you didn't like it initially and then something you know happened in your life and you saw it a different way later um, along the line. Teach me a bit about uh, how Bitcoin became part of your life. Well,
2: I don't,
0: I don't know if I even remember correctly. I know that when I was still single on my bachelor's, bachelor's life in my single apartment, I messed around with Bitcoin a long time ago. I even downloaded Bitcoin Core and all that thing, but at the time I dismissed it. And, uh, you know, this is just too hard. I don't want to understand it and then so missed opportunity there
2: mm. but uh, you
0: know a few years later i guess i came in as most people do you know number go up crypto is going up it's the future whatever and uh, i did a lot of bullshit. i didn't understand bitcoin of course i think i only bought bitcoin at the time to trade for other stuff mm. I fell into the um, to the shitcoin narrative as most people do uh you know i i thought ethereum was something Amazing, the world's computer narrative, all that bullshit, Mm -hmm. Um, bought some ICOs,
2: you know, all those things. And of
0: course, bear markets does wonders (laughs) and especially to the curious people. As I used to say, Bitcoin is almost like gravity for curious people. And, um, those really take the time and effort to, to dig deeper and eventually come up the other side as maxes. And that was exactly my journey, especially. And I must I must add the fact it hasn't been a long time since I was. I, I, well, nobody deeply understands it, but as much as much as I can, uh, I think it was only after COVID that it really struck me. I'm a doer. I have several companies here in Madeira, and a big family. And uh, you know, COVID. Well, Madeira is a very touristic place, and I own. One of my businesses is a vacation rental management business. Mm-hmm. And during COVID, when they closed it, in mean, one day, my whole company went to zero. Wow. So as you can imagine, that was a big, big scare at the time, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, in, the mid- in the midst of all that fog and confusedness and, and even scared, afraid of, by my family and my sustainability, let's put it that way, it made me even dig deeper on what the solution could be and that was when I think I finally understood how powerful Bitcoin was and how it was all about Bitcoin and not the rest and the rest was just a big distraction and eventually you know Bitcoin is a virus and I decided that of course you know along my all my other stuff but I decided I wanted I really wanted to make a difference in the area.
1: Awesome. And, and so much of that resonates with the, the journey I've been on as well. And I've, I've now recorded about 50 of these conversations and the outcomes very similar, but everyone comes from a different place. So wind the clock back to your bachelor's degree. And you, you mentioned you downloaded Bitcoin Core. Like, did you have an interest in technology from a young age? What were you studying at university? What, what introduced you to it? That, that at the time you were like, okay, I'm, I'm following a different path. You obviously went in a different
2: direction. Well,
0: just to clear it up, I'm a, I'm a college dropout. I didn't finish my, my degree. I went to Lisbon, as, as a lot of modern people go to university there. But at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I just chose one. I was a good student, so I didn't have a problem choosing whatever I wanted. The problem is I didn't know what I wanted at the time. Mm-hmm. I just mm-hmm. basically chose a degree to go to Lisbon and party and, and have, a, <laughs> have my own life in Lisbon with friends and so on. And university at the time was in the back of the head, just as a, (laughs) yeah, this thing I have to do to be here. Right. (laughs) Yeah. yeah, (laughs) Um, I eventually realized a few years later that the course I was in, it was civil Mm -hmm. engineering, it was nothing that I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. And I decided to to drop it and I went to audiovisuals. So I became a, a video editor and then a director. And, uh, you know, I started in a small company, but then I, I eventually, it was acquired by a bigger company that did a lot of sports broadcasts all over the world. And uh, it was an amazing journey at the time. I got to visit a lot of places, especially Middle East and Africa, and it opened my eyes to a lot of stuff, which was really good. But in the end, I, I, I really wanted to make this stuff For my own. I was always very curious. I am not tech oriented at all, but I was very curious. So I was online a lot of the times checking the trends and what was new and so on. That was I think the time when I when I stumbled with Bitcoin. Because I'm not tech oriented, you know, I don't know the software into it. It was weird at the time. I didn't know what to do exactly with it. And I didn't put the proof of work at the time, I guess. (laughs) So I just dismissed it and eventually found it, you know
2: few years
1: later yeah because none of us necessarily knew what you'd come into contact with there's the the surface level interaction when you first stumble across bitcoin there's lots of different ways people end up there but more often than not one doesn't necessarily understand straight away the value proposition and why it's important so let's get to that that's a nice segue so you've obviously been on this journey you've run a few different businesses of your own or you've at least been involved in other businesses and you came across I'm assuming the the kind of the crypto space twenty sixteen seventeen, which had the nice big bull run, and you know, the shitcoin casinos were very much part of that run and ICOs with this new like way of raising finance for startups, et cetera, And it was all very exciting, but as you mentioned, a huge distraction. So what was it that made you realise it was a distraction? Does that make sense? Yeah,
0: that, that was only after COVID. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. You know, I was already reading and listening to some things, but it, it I don't know, it never I wasn't really there. Uh, mm-hmm. it took, it took that really frightening moment where the world stopped and I was afraid for me and my family, honestly, for our quality of life, let's put it like that. And I think it was only in that moment that I really d- dug even deeper and, um, yeah. And there were some conversations and, and that's the, the Bitcoin community is amazing. As you know, there's so much content out there, there's even more nowadays but, I actually relate to the Michael Saylor story, you know, Mm -hmm. he tells the same, like he dismissed Bitcoin at the time. Mm -hmm. And then after, it was only after COVID when he, when he saw all the printing and realized that the, this stockpile of cash was a melting ice cube, as he puts Mm -hmm. it, that he eventually realized how, how Bitcoin was powerful. And I think. Everybody understands it under it, its own perspective. Let's put it mm-hmm. like this. Because I'm a businessman that related a lot to myself and my, and my savings and the business and mm-hmm. ventures and so on. Uh, I even remember a conversation he had, I think this was on the, the first time MicroStrategy did uh, this business meeting online when he, he had this conversation with Ross Stevens at the time. Yep. That was really powerful for me. Yeah, it was a uh, micro strategy
1: for corporates i remember now exactly yep. Exactly.
0: Yep. so that was a few months after covid uh, i don't remember exactly maybe already in 2021 i'm not sure i was already in the process and that was the i, I guess the final nail in the coffin mm. where i really really got it <laughs> i remember that one specifically and yeah from then on i just down you go you cannot take it out of your mind right you can't no no you're right and
1: it's i mean, an incredibly influential guy michael's been and i've also you know heavily studied a lot of what he's you know said about it and you know overnight suddenly 400 million dollars of this stock listed company's balance sheets gone into bitcoin like what like the amount of lawyers the amount of accountants the amount of shareholders that are affected by that decision that's some of the best due diligence you could ever possibly imagine when it comes to looking at making an allocation to bitcoin like if they're able to do it then you can as well does that make sense so i've also been hugely influenced by that and it it helped to to legitimize bitcoin in a lot of ways it's like oh my god you can actually hold this stuff on the balance sheet of a stock listed company like i really need to look more closely at this so so what was it in terms of the characteristics of bitcoin that you saw as beneficial to your businesses you've already mentioned that you had a, a a holiday rental management business in madeira that obviously got shut down because the tourist industry overnight was completely collapsed. Did you have some other businesses that were affected? Can you teach me about those? And what does Bitcoin represent to you then as an entrepreneur and businessman?
0: Well, first of all, the the savings itself, right? That just Mm. all those teachings and especially not related to Bitcoin, but before even being a businessman, I understood that I didn't know Shit about money. And that's yeah. the that's the biggest learning that you get on when you really start going through the journey, right? How much you do you don't know about how, how the economy works and how money works and the first principle transfer of the value between people and businesses and how much you don't realize about money at all? You don't even think about it. You're born into this fiat world and you think that's how things have to work or are supposed to work. And going through the journey of Bitcoin, it teached me a lot about that. So it was not only Bitcoin, it was the power of sound money and how not sound (laughs) fiat money was. Mm. And of course, then you realize that Bitcoin's properties are the soundest money there can be. And you try to fight or do your best to To come into that world and take advantage of that for you, for your family, for the world, eventually. Mm. And yeah, and a a business related, the savings of the business, like the the cushion that you want to make it as safe as you can and for the future. Even my personal savings, my family savings, so that's the first direct uh, observation. And then, you know, after COVID, Madera also, there was this big program to attract nomads and remote workers and so on. And you start realizing how many of these young people already use Bitcoin for their travelings around the world, of course, because it's the best, it's the most portable and, and fungible money there is. You start, you know, figuring out ways where you can introduce that into your businesses as well. I own a vacation rental management, but I also have a co-working space in Fushal that is full of foreigners. So I got direct connections with their, with their, you know, ideas and how they use Bitcoin as well. Well, some of them also use other cryptos, but they're, they're just in different parts of the journey, I guess, Mm -hmm. the learning journey. Yeah. I eventually start accepting Bitcoin as well in all my businesses Mm -hmm. and, uh, Curiously, I, I already have a lot, especially at co-work, I already got a lot of payments in Bitcoin. Wow.
1: Yeah, how cool. And so I enjoy hearing about people's kind of different lenses on the world. And so I'm sitting here now and thinking about the fact that part of your due diligence and, and gaining faith in Bitcoin was actually looking at your businesses, seeing how they could benefit from it, looking at your personal savings technologies that you were you know, using and thinking about what that meant. But then equally, like, what do your customers say? go and talk to them what are they thinking and suddenly people are paying you in bitcoin you're like oh my god i should really le- learn more about this why is this the case as a small well i don't know how big your businesses are but let's say small to medium-sized businesses you've got a, a bunch of red tape likely in, in order to run those companies effectively has adopting bitcoin onto the balance sheet you know taking it from transactions has that been a difficult process and uh, you know any challenges or, or things you might want to share to any businesses owners business business owners out there listening
0: Well, I had an advantage because I don't know if you're aware, but up until now, there is no tax on crypto games in Portugal. Okay. So there was no real problem in accepting Bitcoin for payments because it was a de facto legal tender, although there's a proposal in the budget to change that now. But up until now, there was no issues whatsoever in accepting payments. Of course, there were problems with accounting, you know, because the softwares are not prepared. And have yeah. to account for an asset like Bitcoin. So we had to be creative in a way, in a compliant way, but we have to be creative on the way that we did the accounting. I remember my accountant wanted, <laughs> he, was, he was not happy with this decision. <laughs> like, <laughs> it was a bit, it was a bit confused. And, That's uh, funny. But uh, every, everything turned out okay. And now we're actually waiting to see what comes out of the next budget to see or oh, we can integrate it even better and it's it's all new you know and, and they lots of things needs, needs to change for it to be properly accounted on on businesses and whatnot but it will get there eventually
1: yeah so the lack of a capital gain on crypto is a huge kind of tick in the first instance that makes it easier to adopt it as a business it's, like I'm originally from the UK, but now based in Australia and both countries still charge you for any gains made on crypto, which makes it incredibly difficult from a transaction perspective as a small business to actually accept it for payments and send it anywhere else and try to actually document that and account for it. It's really hard. But one of the things that you know we're seeing play out is this whole idea of jurisdictional arbitrage and different places you can live. And now you can own Bitcoin and you don't have to have any physical assets and you can be a digital nomad and go and sit in Fujial and run whatever business you want so i'm extremely interested to be honest as i'm building this podcast out adopting bitcoin as fast as i can i'm very mobile i've got two small kids but providing i can find somewhere nice for them to live then in theory we can go anywhere so let's let's segue to that
0: well and no i'm really really interested to ask (laughs) you because i
1: i interviewed uh, rob Brinded recently who is based in madeira and rob was telling me about Yeah. yeah he was really really like so positive about the place and I'm like well where am I going to base my family and I live in Melbourne the COVID restrictions here were extraordinary like harsh for you know what it turned out to be so very open to thinking about where I might move to so I, I have to confess I listened to you on a podcast with Daniel Prince recently and Jeff Booth and the conversation was around you sending a DM to, to Jeff about Madeira and what was going on there. So let's talk about that. I'd love to learn more about, you know, you're a businessman. You're based in Madeira. That's obviously where you grew up and some a place that you love. What's the relationship between Madeira and Portugal itself? And why is that potentially interesting from a Bitcoin perspective? And, uh, and what did you reach out for help from Jeff with?
0: Well, the story is not quite like that. The, okay. the DM was even more interesting because. You know, I'm just a plug for Madara, as I always was. And uh, there was a time not, not so far away that I even thought I was the only Bitcoin in Madara. Glad- I'm so glad for Bitcoin Twitter in that way. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, it's a um,
1: very good place for meeting people, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, Because you and, think that uh, you're, you're, no one else is going to agree with how I think or all these different conversations that you're having online and listening to people and podcasts very personal. You're right in someone's ear, you know, and you're like, this is yeah. so amazing. Why is no one else talking about this? But <laughs> yeah. they're not, right?
0: They're not, and they eventually turned out not, not to be like that. And there are many Bitcoiners around, but cool. we'll get to that, I guess. But so I was, you know, really, really deep at that time, reading everything that, that I could and listening to the most podcasts that I could and so on. And I was always bothered. That was the start of it all, like these small decisions that, that change your life. I was in Lisbon and went to this really big bookstore. And, of course, I was searching for Bitcoin books. <laughs> mm-hmm. The only thing I wanted to read at the time. And, you know, I never found anything interesting. And, uh, and I remember when I was just leaving the bookstore, you know, I saw those, you know, top 10 books of the week or the yep. month or whatever. <laughs> and in number eight, it was a, a, a book about crypto, really updated, really bad. And it was number eight in sales. And it got me thinking, like, jesus christ like they're selling this awful book there's clearly interest because it's on the top sales mm. and people are just being misinformed it's terrible mm. and then i light bulb i need to do something about it like yeah awesome. and i think all all bitcoiners at a point decide they want to get involved somehow and i said i said to myself that this is my opportunity there is no good portuguese literature on bitcoin only so that's when i decided i had already read jeff's book you know the price of tomorrow and i loved it Brilliant! so i said this yeah. this this is the way i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna start translating there are so many books already in other languages so i'm gonna start translating the books i'm gonna start a publisher and uh, so I did, Wicked. That's, where, that's where Jeff's DM come into play. Like I, I didn't know anyone, right? So I just yep. sent him a random cold DM yep. on Twitter. Yeah. And Jeff, being the amazing guy that he is, replied. And we eventually agreed, we signed the contract and I started my publishing company. <laughs> wow. And, uh, and because Jeff, and that, the rest was easier because Jeff was such a heavyweight and so respected in the industry. That when I reached out to other people, other authors, mm-hmm. and, you know, I eventually said, I'm starting this, you know, uh, publishing company in Portugal. I'm translating books to Portuguese. My first book is The Price of Tomorrow. So, yeah, yep. oh, yeah, yes, yes, we'll go. And <laughs>
2: wow. And then
0: I get VJ's book. I got, you know, 10 God for Bitcoin. It's written yep. by eight people, including Britlove and whatnot. I eventually translated the Gigi's book as well, you know, 21 Lessons. Yeah. We're just finishing the Knut Phenomenal Trilogy. Yeah. I got the rights to the Sovereign Individual. That was something special. Yeah. We're going to be the first translation ever or the second, I think they already did one in Spanish or something, of the Sovereign Individual. So it, it started this whole publishing company wow. in Portuguese literature. And now we have all these books all over Portugal in all the bookstores. Brilliant. It's good content, uh, Bitcoin-only literature with really, really good content. So,
1: And and what I love about that is, well, first of all, entrepreneurs who see opportunities and they act on it. So you described yourself as a doer, a part of the conversation earlier. And so seeing that in action is just brilliant. Like none of us, none of us know what's going to happen tomorrow, but the, the mindset that some people have, it creates opportunities for them. And you wouldn't be, neither of us would be having this conversation if we didn't have similar mindset in that, in that sense. So congratulations. That's fantastic. Good hustle. And what intrigues me is how many people do you expect to potentially learn about Bitcoin as a result of these translations? And I asked that with the context of um I interviewed a guy called Master Guantai, who's based in Nairobi, and he's translating English Bitcoin literature into different African languages. And he's expecting to see, you know, there's potentially a couple hundred million more people that can now read this Mm -hmm. content. As a result, yeah. now, I don't Portuguese probably not as, as as popular as that in terms of a language. But do you have any idea how many more people might now be able to access this content because of starting your publishing business? Honestly,
0: no idea at all. No, okay. Uh, I didn't even start this businesses. Of course, you want to make a sustainable businesses and and then you know, be on the green, as Americans say. But I didn't start the Bitcoin publishing company for profits. It mm. was just something I wanted to do. Really, you know. Well, the collateral damage on that was much more powerful, but we can, because that, that DM and the relationship I started with some people in the Bitcoin space changed everything, but I, didn't, I wasn't thinking about that at the time. I just wanted to do something cool, something in the space. I wanted to help out. I don't even know if I'm ever going to be making money on this. Portugal is a very small country, although I was a bit smart at the time and I already secured for the, all of the Portuguese-speaking countries, so I have the rights to Brazil. Yeah. Okay. as well, And Brazil is a much bigger market. Much bigger. You know.
1: That's what I had in mind, right? I was thinking how many yeah. people speak Portuguese globally. So I wasn't thinking on it from a, a perspective of book sales. Of I was yeah. thinking at it from more, how many more people globally can now understand yeah. Bitcoin. As a, do you see what I mean? So not necessarily yeah. as a business pitch, but more just it, it intrigues me as to how this kind of decentralized movement is happening in different parts of the world. And as people realize Bitcoin is really important, they see opportunities to help other people understand it. And that to me is also like a huge way of gaining more conviction in it. Because initially you're like, what is this thing? Like I've got all my savings, I've worked so hard for them, or I've been, you know, got these assets I want to look after. But like, you can't lose them. Do you know what I mean? Like don't put your money into something that's going to get lost. Like that's a terrible idea. But hearing stories like this for me are just part of the due diligence process. It just helps you
0: understand like, wow,
1: this really is like the real deal. Yeah.
0: Well, but I, I don't have a number I know there's tens of millions of Portuguese speaking people around the world mm. and uh, the, farthest we can go and the farthest we can help the better. But I don't have a number, honestly. Brilliant.
2: No, that's uh, awesome. It was
0: just, it, well, it wasn't that thought out. I just wanted to make something cool and wanted to make good translations, have good content on bookstores. I was pissed off by seeing those shit kind books in the top sales mm. and I had to do something about it. And that was it
1: basically Uh, awesome. As I said, (laughs) awesome, awesome, awesome. So you touched on just now, the, the DM you sent to Jeff and then some of the friends that you've made through this process, that's actually had a, a much wider knock on effect. So, uh, teach me a bit more about what's been some of the ramifications of, you know, opening yourself up to this community of people. And I imagine it's going to lead us to a discussion about what's happening in Madeira. Yeah,
0: exactly. So. What that gave me, and I didn't even realize it at the time, that was that by certain senses of life, when, when the opportunity arose, I was having a meeting with the president of the Madeira government because of other stuff, non-related, but the opportunity arose to speak about this. And when I had the opportunity to do something, that suddenly I had this network of people that I could rely on to help me, and they did. And that was the the game changer because I couldn't ever have done it by myself at the time. And we can, we can get to that if you want, the know, the yeah, of it all. please
2: t-
1: tell all. me about how it all happened. So you had a dialogue with the, with the president of Madeira and you obviously then reached out to the Bitcoin community saying, I've got this potential conversation or I'm, you know, how, how do I teach them about Bitcoin? Like, yeah, tell me the story.
0: So it all, it all started when the president was visiting my co-working space. Okay. And he was visiting not related to this, he was just doing an official visit to a space that was, you know, being frequented and and used by a lot of the nomads and remote workers that the government did this whole, but after COVID and we were having this conversation, he checked out all the space and he was, he was really excited about all the movement there. And then we eventually started talking about other stuff. And. That was when the opportunity arose. So the president was speaking how important it was for the future of Madeira to start supporting all these entrepreneurs and the young people and, and the startups. And, you know, stop relying so much on tourism as the basis of the whole Madeira ecosystem and economy. And, um, of course I agree. So I own a co-working space for eight years and I, I was already shouting at the winds. For a long time, on how great Madera was, as a whole overall quality of life place to base you and your family and your businesses. So I eventually took up op- that opportunity and I said, maybe I can help as well. If you're open to supporting new technology developments, maybe I can help. But you must be open to accept that. And I pointed at the Bitcoin accepted here, sign. And that was when he started talking. Yeah, you know. Crypto is the future, we see all these young guys using crypto, we need to support it and so on. But then there was all these fireworks in my head because this whole thing of Portugal being tax-free was also not good for Portugal in a way because it attracted a lot of shitcoinery. We were invaded for the last years with a lot of crypto projects, crypto people, That came to Portugal basically because it was tax-free and nothing else. And I was seeing a lot of bad stuff around me. So I took that opportunity as a way to try and make a difference on the eyes of government, because they weren't really there. They were just seeing crypto, you know, they weren't understanding the whole ecosystem as a way to really separate Bitcoin from the rest on their eyes. And that was when eventually he agreed on, on digging deeper. And that was when I reached out to other people to help me. So the first guy I reached out was Daniel Prince. Mm. And it was basically like sending him a message saying, Daniel, you know, I got the interest of the president and we got this opportunity to make a difference. I need your help. Yeah. <laughs> basically. Awesome.
2: And as the
0: amazing guy is, the first answer was just let's fucking go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh. And we eventually got in touch with uh, Alan Farrington and Samson. Mm -hmm. And we tried to get Samson here for a meeting with the president, but at the time it was not possible because of agendas. And I got another idea. I reached out to Daniel and said, Daniel, what about we take the president to Miami? Because this was just like, I don't know, two months before Bitcoin Miami 22. Mm -hmm. Uh, crazy idea, but who knows? (laughs) Actually, one of the things that, that I've been most surprised lately is that the craziest ideas were the ones that worked out the most. But that's a different conversation.
2: Awesome. <laughs> um, of course,
0: Daniel, again, let's fucking go version 2.0. <laughs> he started reaching out to other
2: people. And
0: we eventually got Jeff Boots involved as well and other people. We had the Zoom call with the president and Samson and Jeff. And we eventually convinced them to go to Miami wow. and, and so we did. And well, the rest is history, as they say, we had this amazing journey. The deepest guys got involved. They all had conversations with the president. Uh, we were invited to Michael Saylor's villa. We had breakfast with them. We, we got conversations with Jeff, with Preston, with Safdin, with, you know, all of these guys. Wow. And, and it worked
2: brilliant it's
0: so
1: cool and so so perhaps it's useful at this stage to to understand a bit more about madeira itself so in terms of being part of the european union in terms of being part of portugal like what relationships are in place there that make it possible to take a more aggressive stance when it comes to like how you manage the situation with you know international businesses being based in madeira or people who want to come and live there and work there using Bitcoin. So you've already mentioned there's no capital gains tax on crypto for now. That's possibly being reviewed by the Portuguese government. But can the president of Madeira, you know, make rules of his own that enable the, the, the landscape of Madeira to be more attractive to people from an international perspective? Like, how does that work?
0: Well, Madeira is considered an outermost region of Europe. So we are an isolated island off the coast of, actually we're closer to Africa than, than the mainland. Mm -hmm. We are very near the Canary Islands, another Mm -hmm. archipelago from, from Spain. So we are a semi-autonomous region of Portugal. Mm -hmm. That means we have our own government, our own parliament, but we are limited in the scope of our powers. Let's put it like that. So we can decide on a lot of stuff, but we are limited in others like, Mm -hmm. you know, our defense, for example, and and Mm -hmm. tax and, you know. Even budget, we manage our own budget, but there are some limitations and some stuff we need to comply. So we are not totally independent on our decisions, Uh, but there's still a degree of things that we can manage on our own. Unfortunately, tax, for example, this draft proposal that they are studying now, if the mainland goes forward with it, Madera needs to comply. We only have a few powers on the difference of the tax that we can apply. Let's say we we can, for example, we have nowadays a difference of thirty percent on the tax that we charge here on the island compared to to mainland Portugal, for example. Mm-hmm. But um, we can influence, but we, we cannot decide directly. Mm-hmm. But we can lobby, and there is some power to the to the initiatives of the of the president within the Portuguese government. But even if this. Let, let me explain it the other way. We are not doing this as a government entity. Okay. Mm-hmm. Although we have support from the government, we are doing this as a private entity. Actually, we decided to do it as a nonprofit initiative. And the whole idea is to increase Bitcoin adoption, but from a bottoms up way. We don't want to impose anything on the citizens. We actually want the free market to decide by itself. We just want to increase awareness, increase education,
2: present
0: it as a choice that people and businesses can use for their lives. Mm -hmm. And also because Bitcoin touches so many things and we want to introduce the technology in the network as uh, how can I put it? as a viable alternative for some of the ways that we conduct businesses nowadays. And I'm going to give one specific example that is very dear to my heart. So Madaris is a very immigrant island for decades. There were a lot of Madarians that went to other parts of the world to make a living. Mm -hmm. And we have this very specific, large community in Venezuela, for example.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And just for you to understand the impact, we We are, in Madera we are currently 280,000 inhabitants Mm -hmm. and in Venezuela, if you count second and third generation Madeira people there, it's estimated to be between 1.2 and 1.4 million people. Wow. And we all know how Venezuela did for the past decade and also, you know, how the situation is there. And there's a big, large community of immigrants that came back to Madeira. And also their families. We really want to introduce the Bitcoin network as a way for them to remit values uh, mm-hmm. from Venezuela to Madera and vice versa, mm-hmm. without going through the to the fiat rails and the black markets and all the pain that they have. Yeah, Western to... Union bullshit. Yeah, yeah. Exactly, and and they they don't use it because of lack of knowledge only.
2: Yeah. Uh, so
0: this is really interesting from a from a the government view as well, although again we are doing the, doing it on the private side and we'll teach people on how to use the network on the private side. The government will not be involved, but of course is they are interested because it's it's of value to the community as a whole. Yeah, and uh, so that's that's a big plus and, and, and one thing that I really want to push forward as fast as I can. And uh, there's also another myriad of factors like mining, for example. Mm -hmm. We are an island, so the whole power grid is isolated. There is a public power company that manages the grids on the island. And because we are a Portugal region and part of the EU, there are these, you know, call it valuable or not, but there are these goals of renewables, 2030 goals and 2050 goals about not depending as much on fossil fuels and coal and and start Mm. getting a lot more renewables on the energy mix and and so on. And for us as an island, as an isolated grid, it makes a lot of sense to introduce mining to help with these goals and to increase the renewables effectiveness. So that's another area that we are working with. We are very fortunate to have a lot of people on our advisory board that are Really well knowledgeable, especially Troy Cross, that is working a lot in the area mm-hmm. and is now helping us to define a strategy. And do, we are doing this big study on all the grids and, and the flows in the grid and how can wow. Bitcoin be introduced. Uh, so complicated the energy market, isn't it? Wow, it is. And uh, Madeira is actually quite the could be quite a test bed yep. for such initiatives because being isolated in the middle of the ocean is the perfect setup let's put it like that, to really study and make Bitcoin mining be as effective as it can be to help increase the renewable share. And there's also other, many other options on the table, like waste management and aerobic digestion. So many stuff that Bitcoin mining can help.
1: It's incredible, isn't it? So Bitcoin is this in- like it's just it's such a deep subject, isn't it? It just touches so many areas where you start to see opportunities how it could improve how things are done. One person to mention that I've interviewed before, Nathaniel Harmon has a OTEC startup based in Hawaii. Have you yeah. chatted with Nate? Not yet,
0: but Troy did. He knows yeah. him very well.
1: We actually mentioned an island O-Tech. like Madeira is exactly the kind of place yeah. he's yeah. looking at doing projects.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah, I know, but actually, and Troy can. Actually, you, sh- you should invite Troy for a talk as well. Yeah, no, I he's will. He's yeah. an am- amazing guy, uh, a great friend nowadays. I tried already, actually. On.
1: He said he was he was a bit podcasted out at the time, so I'll revisit I it. Can I can imagine. I can
0: imagine. Is full of stuff in his life, and, and he can explain better all, all that stuff because, again, I'm not a technical guy. I understand it in a very high level only. Mm-hmm. But we actually mentioned that. I remember in June when we did bring all i was here the advisory board to Madara. it was one of the things that i mentioned to troy and but there are actually some situation. he said the seas around madera or at least very close to shore are not really the best for OTEC, okay and explain me why i don't i don't have all the technicalities no give that's you. right but uh he said that not that far it's something that we can look into maybe we will i don't know there's a lot of work to do and that's just one of the possibilities
1: awesome well part of what i'm hoping to do with this podcast is obviously make lots of lots of friends and help introduce friends to friends so the as you've already explained so beautifully you reach out to one person you gain value from them in some way or you deliver value to them and then suddenly you've, you've tapped into this network of people all around the world that are willing to share their skills to help develop what Bitcoin's been applied to in different ways. So yeah, no, no worries. I'll follow up with Troy in the new year. So about 10 minutes or so still to go, Andre, and I always keep it to about an hour. You mentioned at the start that you're, you have a big family. I'd love to talk that through. And we touched briefly on this offline beforehand. So I've got two young girls at home now. Uh, life in Australia has not been easy the last, I've been here three years now. My wife's Aussie, but the lockdowns were very, very strict. The, the medical requirements to move anywhere were very, very strict. I've fallen deep down the rabbit hole of Bitcoin in that time and have made you know, significant changes to how I store my wealth. And that makes me hyper mobile if I need to be. So I'm still very much considering like, where should I base my young family? Like freedom is right at the top of the list as you know, critical factors in terms of getting in and around wherever I want to live. But then equally, the ability to build businesses, to invest in businesses, to not have to pay taxes on on bitcoin would be like a huge gain versus where i'm currently sat so yeah what would family life be like in madeira and you know the the other the other bitcoiners that are out there that are considering moving like you know rob was a great example he absolutely loves it and it's not something i would you know i wouldn't be against it at all yeah so teach me a bit about like what life's more like as a family there
0: well first of all i'm biased right so let's put that on the let's put that on the weights right on the balance but
2: I'm completely
0: biased, you know, remember I I told you earlier that I was fortunate to travel a lot in my previous job, and there was something really, really deep learning about traveling the way I did at the time, especially to those, those, uh, we call it less developed countries as as we Westerners like to call, which is a lot of nonsense as well, when you really go there and, and start digging deeper. It made me realize one thing. Every time I came back, I was struck by how fortunate we Madarans were, honestly. Because Madera is a paradise, you know? It definitely is. And this is not about Bitcoin. This is just about the, the Highland as a whole, right? We have some things going against us, in my perspective. Like, for example, being part of the EU is, would be one of them. Yeah, <laughs> although yeah. most people think otherwise. Well, that that uh, would be my
1: my main concern would be within the grips of the European Union. If I was to move to exactly. Europe, I'm like, is that really like long term? Is that going to be the right call? I don't know.
0: Well, long term. Sorry.
1: Sorry to cut you off, is, because I, I basically I agree with you completely. I'm I'm very concerned yeah. with what might be decided for me by that organisation in the next you know exactly. ten years. Exactly. <laughs> I
0: would put that as a, as a, as a con. So pros and cons. Sure. I would put that as a con. Although. It's also a pro in a way, but we'll get into that. So we are not independent; we cannot decide our own fate. But in the long term, I actually think the opposite. I think the EU is not going to last that long. So,
2: no, in the
0: so in the long term, I think we're good again because okay. it will eventually. Yeah, sorry,
1: be, good point. Uh, is it? It will break up at some stage. So long term, who cares? It will.
0: So I think long term, it, it's actually going to be good again because it will be all all independent countries again. Yeah. And uh, on the short term, we may have some issues, but I think if we do get the community here going, we can defend ourselves in all sorts of ways, but that's maybe to another deeper conversation. Mm. Um, Madeira as a whole, is, it's, it's an amazing place. We are very fortunate to be in a geographic location that it's called the island of eternal spring for a reason. Mm-hmm. Like the weather is amazing all year round the weather variation is almost non-existent like this is this is you know a small shirt is what I use in in, in winter time yeah um, in sure and in summer I just use the shirt that I have below so it's, it's almost of course you if you go up the mountain it will be colder and so on but in your life in the city it's, it's,
1: it's yeah it's beautiful it's amazing yeah weather makes such day
0: a I'm just looking out the window it's beautiful blue skies and, and the light the light that rob probably mentioned
1: rob mentioned that it's, it's a really interesting metric about yes. why to move somewhere that i hadn't heard anyone describe before that <laughs> actually is a very valuable thing to consider
2: yeah
0: and um, there's this this weather thing is actually not random it's been studied there are other people that studied the best locations in the world weather-wise. Mm-hmm. And they eventually end up, I think, in two or three locations around the world that have this most stable and wonderful weather. And one of them is always Madeira. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's New Zealand as well. Mm-hmm. But New Zealand is on the other side of the world. And, uh, well, as you know, <laughs> the restrictions on COVID were also really Crazy. there. Huh? So I would say that compared to ours, ours was a playground compared to yeah. theirs. I mean, the COVID restrictions and all the bullshit that went around that. So the weather is amazing. We have nature, we have mountains, we have sea, and it's not that small that it's like a really remote island where you can't find anything. That's not true. We have medium-sized city that you have Mm -hmm. culture, you have restaurants, you have things to do. You have international schools. The infrastructure is amazing. Digital infrastructure is amazing as well. We are fortunate to have a lot of data cables that run through Madara. So Wi-Fi connectivity and data connectivity is amazing. So it's actually a perfect storm that makes this island unique in yeah. a worldwide perspective.
1: Uh, and: And it's a couple of hours to like you know, a couple of hours to London, a couple of hours to Paris, a couple of hours to you know, most of Western direct Europe.
0: Direct flights, direct flights to all over Europe, yeah. uh, even the United States nowadays, Direct flights to really New York, you can go straight
1: example. over. OK. Yeah, my, my um, aunt and uncle actually have just been on holiday from the UK to Madeira.
0: Yeah, we yeah. were a very touristic island since ever. We get over yeah. over 2 million tourists a year here. Yeah. So there are many, many flights coming over. Connectivity is not a problem. The shipping industry is quite well developed. Of course, we are an island. Everything comes from yeah. abroad and so on. That can be a pain as well. If something really breaks, it can be rather problematic, I guess. But we never had... I don't think that's gonna be an issue, hopefully. It was it never was historically, even during wars and, and you know, mm-hmm. world wars and stuff like that. Water is plentiful. It's just an amazing place to be. It People sounds are brilliant. nice, everybody speaks English. Uh, um, and now
1: now you have this kind of decentralized movement of Bitcoiners that are all aware of these, you know, basically the the breakdown of fiat currency, the debt that these large governments are under the ability for them to just shut your business down overnight. And what Bitcoin brings is obviously an antidote to that, which is brilliant because it gives us all some respite and some sense of like, okay, there is some hope for the future, but also the ability to go wherever we want. And, you know, shout out to the the sponsor of my show, Fast Bitcoins, and they're all based in the Isle of Man. Now, I have an Australian wife that likes the beach. The idea of going to live in the Isle of Man is like, I would never be able to persuade her to do that. But yeah. potentially Madeira is is a different ball game because it's nice and hot, and it just it strikes me they're very similar actually in that in that sense. Like if you're going to set up a, a Bitcoin focused business, Madeira, Isle of Man, uh, Malta, I guess is another one in, in Europe. There's a few different places that you know you can actually set up. And there are more, let's say, um, the rules are more favorable in terms of how you can operate as business owners, which is also what I'm thinking about. So, right, we've got to, you know, build a whole load of applications on top of Bitcoin over the next 10 years. There's going to be angel investment opportunities. There's going to be the ability to work with other people, actually operating businesses themselves. You've got to do it from somewhere. A lot of it will be digital. And it's,
0: it's very, very exciting. That's actually one of the, I forgot to mention that one of the, the big things that we want to push forward is the Bitcoin commons. So we'll have a building here in Madara to mm-hmm. where we will place all the community. Basically. Cool. We are still in the first talks, but everything's set to go with uh, Matt Odell and the uh, Parker Lewis. Oh, cool. We are replicating their efforts in Austin Excellent. and Nashville. Yeah, we'll have a co-working space dedicated just for Bitcoin companies. They can, you know, incorporate and put the physical address at the building. Mm. And we are working already with another entrepreneur from the Netherlands that is coming to live in Madara. Uh, we are developing this Bitcoin academy, coding academy, mm-hmm. that will develop on the side. And we are working also with other people that want to develop international and coding schools here for kids so we really make it we want to make it a small paradise for bitcoin companies to the Bitcoin community to flourish yeah i'm like get me there we're still in the beginning of all this process but the plans are there the intentions are there and people are already coming so this is happening
1: well and such is the nature of network effects and anyone that's ever studied them in any way will understand that you know if i wanted to go and live and work with like-minded people that are working on bitcoin you know, as soon as there's like four or five of them in a corner somewhere, we might as well go and join those four or five people rather than start <laughs> a new corner. Does that make sense? So yeah, it, it, sense. it just happens to be that this beautiful organic process that you've, you know, told me your journey through this conversation, Madeira might well be like one of the, the really kind of important places to go and visit as this technology gets built out. That's very exciting. Well, Andre, listen, an hour's flown by. So thank you so much for your time today. No Where pleasure. can people reach out and get in touch?
0: So we have our web page set out, it's freemadeira.com. We are, uh, we are also on Twitter at uh, Mm freemadeira.org. And uh, you can reach out to me directly at Andre Loja. It's my name on Twitter and uh, yeah, please reach out, send a message, send an email, send a DM, if you want to know more, reach out and we'll, we'll try our best to
1: help you. Brilliant. Well, Andre, thanks so much for your time. Thank you, Jake. Okay, friends, nice work. You made it all the way to the end of the episode. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to this conversation. As I said at the start, if you have any questions, then please don't hesitate to reach out. And if you enjoyed the episode, then please rate, like, subscribe, and
2: share. That's it for now. Enjoy the rest of your day. All the best, Jake.